Now, old Taku in space. <coughs> Sorry about that. I had something stuck in my throat. Welcome back to Old Taku No Radio. My name is Ink, and with me is my partner in the stars, my heavenly guide and earthly inspiration, Jared Nelson. Hello. And since our last transmission, Anna Gamers has welcomed two new Patreon members, Dylan149 and Aiden? Aiden? One of the two. Welcome both. And thank you very much. And Aiden or Aiden, please write to us uh, and send hate mail to Evan if we got your name wrong. So this episode, we're going to be talking about Space Brothers number zero, which is actually a prequel to the events that take place in the anime Space Brothers series. And I guess it wouldn't be fair to tell you where the series goes before the movie shows you how it gets there. So, Jared, what is Space Brothers number zero about? Space Brothers number zero is a prequel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a prequel about what jerry <laughs> that's been my theme lately i'm so sorry um yeah <laughs> space brothers zero is a prequel to the 99 episode amazing fantastic beautiful show space brothers it really is in some ways an origin story and in other ways it just really it's like a little love letter uh in a lot of ways to space brothers fans it was produced, like many prequels are, after the original run of the series. So if you've seen the series, it, it's not a recap episode by any means, but it goes back over some events that happen early in the series and adds a little bit of perspective and depth to where our good old Namba brothers, uh, Muta and Hibito, are at their life, kind of leading up to and beginning the story of Space Brothers. The retread that you mentioned isn't actually all that big. You get the introduction to the brothers themselves, which are Muta and Hibuto. The former was born under uh, sort of a bad sign of this major loss at a, a competition at the, for the World Cup. And uh, the other was born under uh, a benevolent sign of uh, a no-hitter uh, baseball game in the major leagues. And it just sort of sets up you know, who the brothers were. And it's the exact same setup as in... Uh, the, the series proper yeah it covers some of the same period of time as right at the beginning of the story but it's it's very much adds new depth and perspective on our beloved brothers at a point in their life where they were still pretty early in their respective journeys so what hits you hardest in this prequel well i think having just gotten done re-watching space brothers with you what struck me was kind of going all the way back to the beginning and this is the Space Brothers Zero takes place even before the inciting events of the, of the first episode of Space Brothers. So it, the characters are a little further away from who we know them to be, even at the start of the series. Hibito is still an astronaut uh, candidate. He's he's training. Well, he's he's an astronaut, but he's training to be a backup to the a, a legendary astronaut uh, Brian J. Brian has a brother who is also an astronaut, so there's definitely parallels between the J brothers and the Namba brothers. And 
they make that point in the original series, but man, they really underline it in this uh, in this prequel movie. And then you also have Muta, who is not yet at the realization of of doing what it is he intends to do um, as he moves forward with his life. He's still trying to kind of find his way, and he feels he feels a bit lost. He feels a bit adrift. And I feel like both brothers get fairly equal screen time, but as as it usually tends to happen in the series, Muta gets a little more. We see a lot more development from him and and really start to see all of the things that make him shine in the series starting to happen and him really seizing upon opportunities. It's really interesting to see these characters again in such a developmental light when 99 episodes into the show, we're we're very much, you know, years down the path for both of them. That I think hit me pretty hard. The other thing I think hit me pretty hard was getting used to and stealing myself for something we will probably talk about in the spoilers that we we get to experience again, but for the first time. <laughs> and and whoo, it was it was rough. But more about that later. How how about you, Ink? Well, the uh what kind of hit me was how much you could really dig into what was already established by the series. Because I don't think we've really mentioned what Space Brothers is yet. And it's uh, two brothers who make this pact to go to the moon together. And because one is an older brother, he always wants to be ahead of his younger brother. So he says, no, I'm going to go to Mars. And uh, it sets up this space race between the two brothers. And Hibito is the first, the younger brother is the first one to sort of knuckle down and become an ASCAM, the astronaut candidate. And uh, his older brother's kind of left behind incrementally and then by leaps and bounds. And uh, what this movie does is basically center on Hibito's training, as you mentioned, and Muta's sloping career. He's He's banished from his own office because he uh, has out-of-the-box ideas, so he's sort of relegated to this country bumpkin branch, and uh, he really has nothing to do there, so he invents things to do, which is kind of Muta's thing. He loves to invent, he loves to engineer, and it's everything we know about the brothers, but it's a whole new environment for them to play in, or for, uh, for us to observe them in. I was really obsessed with that, like you mentioned the upcoming event that will mention the spoilers, but also because I didn't know whether this was covered in the manga or not, I was really questioning, is this like uh, Watanabe just sort of having his, his way with the characters or what? Because there's a lot of his influence, uh, language of flowers and framing of shots and certain atmospheric elements that just stood out to me like crazy. A lot of people take atmospheric to mean heavy, but it's also comedic because there's a good deal of comedy all throughout not only the series, but this uh, movie in particular. I think the comedy is one of the things they really execute extremely well. I mean, they, they execute all the emotional notes of this movie, I think, very effectively. But the comedy really just, I think they really nail it. And usually Muta is the vehicle for the comedy, and, and he always he always delivers. Mm. The voice actor that plays Muta is just so good at conveying that semi-frazzled eccentric genius that Muta is and um, it's really effectively done 
I think, and I, I do not know for sure, and absolutely please, if anybody actually knows the answer to this, absolutely let me know because I, I really want to know. But I think Chuyo Koyama, I know he wrote the screenplay for this. I think it's an original story. And I think that even though it's a prequel, it does serve as an effective introduction to the characters for people who haven't seen Space Brothers yet. Um, I think it honestly gives you a very, in an hour and a half-ish time frame, a very concentrated shot of this is what Space Brothers is about. And through all the emotional highs and lows that we see um, in the movie. And again, I, I don't know if, if Koyama actually wrote an original screenplay. I don't remember seeing this story in the manga. I've read some, but not all of the manga. And so, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be really interested to know too. But I, I feel like it's a really effective introduction. So even if you haven't seen Space Brothers, I think you're fine to watch Space Brothers Zero and decide if, if it's something that you might be interested in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, it's one of the best anime series I've ever seen. But it is a series that takes its time to set up a lot of backstory and really develop characters before it really gets going. It, it works in a lot of layers. The movie is much more efficient about delivering everything that's great about Space Brothers in a tighter package. Mm. You don't get nearly as much depth in what the astronaut training and the astronaut experience is like, but you get a, you get a taste of that. You get a taste of comedy. You get a taste of drama. You really see these two brothers at their best in terms of their their relationship in terms of who they both aspire to be neither of them are quite the the men that we know them to be later and so for that reason i think it's a really good introduction even if you haven't seen it really surprised how effective this is because this could have been like so many anime movies that come from tv series this could have been just a repackaging of things we've all seen and it really doesn't do that it covers a time period that we are aware of from the television series, but we actually witness it in, in Space Brothers Zero. And that's, that is pretty, pretty damn cool if you're a Space Brothers fan. If you're a Space Brothers fan, what are you doing? Why are you not watching it right now? I hope to God you've watched it right now. It's possible they could be fearing that it could be like the, you know, the usual anime uh, standalone movies where it's like, okay, well, now they're in this, you know, totally... Uh, isolated condition and here's a brand new character who's going to die by the end of the movie and <laughs> we're going to be sad for them and whatever and it's just not going to have any effect on the overall series whatsoever mm -hmm. which is totally untrue because like you said the time that this movie encapsulates totally is meant to be viewed within context of the series which is i could not pull myself out of having seen the movie or the series, especially having just run through it with you mm -hmm. for our mini series, old Taku in space, which is currently available to Patreon subscribers $5 or more. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> we waited 15 whole minutes before we said that. Hey, you know, got to have restraint. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I watched this movie three times. Uh, Cause we actually delayed recording this once or twice, but there are two versions of the movie. There's the normal version, and there's another version with five extra minutes. And I could actually pick out those five extra minutes, and it's a lot of little scenes and stuff 
but what those uh, cut scenes were, and I think they were really good in cutting them, to Jared's point about being accessible to people who haven't seen the series, what those little inserts do are really sort of bring characters back from the series to the prequel and sort of give you that emotional tug that, you know, like, oh, I remember them. I'm glad to see them in this episode. And it feels like, you know, family coming to visit. And you just love seeing these characters because there's no loving none of these characters in the series. Yeah, so I I couldn't pull my I couldn't separate it, but I feel like it does make a, a decent introduction. But I think it's really meant to be watched afterwards because you get way more emotion. And something that kind of gathers that in a nutshell is the very introduction in this movie, where they use Feel So Moon at the water rocket launch where both the brothers are participating, because you you know that's they know where their bread bread money is, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you can't be a fan of Space Brothers and not hear those opening bars of Feel So Moon and not just get a little bit of a tingle going because it's it's just a it's a great song, but it kind of encapsulates everything about the energy of Space Brothers and and the the passion that both of these brothers have for being astronauts. So, yeah, yeah it's really meant to be something you watch after, but you could you could do it. If, if any of you are like intimidated by 99 episodes, let this be a way to convince you to watch those 99 episodes because it's totally worth your time. Oh yeah, it's a, definitely a good toe dip. Yeah, yeah. What of the new kind of content or the, the sort of the new backstory that uh, kind of gripped you, Inc., in both Hibito and Muta's sort of quote-unquote origin story, so to speak? I actually really liked seeing... Hibito's trials in the desert because well Hibito's trials in general because Space Brothers the series begins with uh, Hibito kind of in his own uh, already ahead of Muta and sort of established as an astronaut a very competent astronaut and this is what Muta is struggling to become in the series but in the movie we're seeing Hibito basically be Muta in the series. So he's struggling with his own stuff, trying to come up. And it's really nice to add that dimension to him because it's not something external that affects him. It's something internal that brings about his character development in this particular hour and a half, two hours. Mm. For Muta, oh God, I loved watching him with the farmer. (laughs) And I love the farmer, Ebiji. Ebiji-san. Yeah, yeah. Elizabeth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that that is so real. <laughs> like, um, oh my god. So yeah, I I agree like with you completely there. Like Hibito, we see Hibito through so much of the actual series in this real heroic kind of light. Like everything he does as an astronaut, he is you know doing it. Whether it's you know through good times or bad times, there's this sort of innate heroism about Hibito that sort of speaks to the fact that he was born under a a charmed star and and you know he's he's got that sort of aura of a hero muta by contrast does not have that at all he just through sheer determination and pluck and you know no small degree of of luck is able to make things work and um i loved 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 muta's experience out in the country in umechaka which i don't know if that's a real city but it could be because Having lived in the Japanese countryside, I can promise you 
that is so authentic to what the Inaka is like. It's just good, decent folks. Everybody's really, you know, friendly and open. And, you know, once you help somebody out, you're like one of them. You're like part of the community. And to see Muta kind of learn and grow through the adversity of kind of being banished from his slick Tokyo job to really developing some skills and some capabilities that directly translate into success for him later uh, in the story of Space Brothers, the TV series, was really interesting because it's kind of like, I keep using the word origin story, but it really does feel like that way. Like Muta's like really starting to come into his own with his wild, crazy, futuristic car ideas, which end up being incredibly valuable later. You know, Hibito's really learning to be that heroic astronaut that we know him to be. But like of the two, I probably I probably enjoyed Muta's arc the most. This really is kind of movie the origin story, because you get origins behind a lot of stuff that you'll see later on in the series. And it doesn't feel at all like an origin story while it's happening, which is the best thing. But like the series, uh, the movie on its own establishes Muta's empathy and as uh, that force is a driving nature for him regarding what he accomplishes because there's uh, something in particular. His initial pitch that gets him bumped to the field office is for uh, uh, sort of transferable steer- steering wheels in a car. And uh, because of a poor analogy he makes, uh, the higher-ups just think he's a goofball. But when he hears the townspeople in Umechaka talking about sort of the same concept he it becomes a little more real to him about who he's doing this for and why and it's it's just his humanism that's coming through it's just so lovely so lovely and and so so filled with plums yes it's plumly it's very plumly um (laughs) yeah um one of the other things that's very interesting about this is that we see characters right away that are in real time that we don't get to see in real time in the series. We see them in flashbacks. We see them kind of referred to. And then some of those characters uh, are you know, directly involved later in the series. But we see so much of, of the cast in, in a new light. And the, you know, the Jay brothers in particular. That we, we really see much, much more strongly relationships between particularly Brian Jay and Hibito that we did not see really when the TV series, well, really we, we saw that relationship in the TV series, but nowhere near to the level that we see it in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. you know, clearly their relationship is much deeper and I think it's going to be really interesting to talk about shortly when we, when we do spoilers. Uh, I also want to make a really big point. If this is your entryway into space brothers, you should know that Watanabe only enhances Koyama's inherent skill in framing and uh, atmosphere regarding shots. The very first sort of couple of things that give you a comedic and a more soul-searching aspect is the introduction in Nambu's home life, Muta's and Hibodo's family, uh, where Muta leaves early to get to this water rocket launch and Hibito kind of stays behind because he thinks he has time because he's looking at this hula dancer cuckoo clock and it's nothing but pure comedy to watch that thing wind down ever so slowly which you could never do in manga because it would take like 97 panels 
just to get that same effect but you know a good solid five to seven seconds in anime and you just laugh at how ridiculous this clock is and the situation at hand and then a little bit later you see muta studying dandelions on the roadside and all that the dandelion means not only is initial observation and the actual meaning but sort of the um ephemeral nature how quickly they live and die uh which comes into play in the series a lot that it's already a heavy use of foreshadowing and these are just eight-year-old kids and it's just a it's a solid use of imagery and metaphor yeah like i was super impressed we haven't really seen i don't know how much koyama was involved in the actual screenwriting of the tv series but i i don't think we've seen them directly work together and collaborate quite this way before and holy mackerel like they they do such a good job of playing off of each other's strengths and really was super impressed with the way koyama you know translated i mean manga writing and screenplay writing are not the same thing and to to make that work uh, so effectively even when it's your own material you're adapting i was just as a writer i was just like man that's like really impressive like how well done the screenplay is how tight it is it almost felt like this definitely wasn't this dude's first screenplay i don't know if it was or wasn't but so much subtlety uh, in the way that things like the dandelion analogy are laid in there, even though it's subtle, but it has like clear imagery meaning, right? It was just, it was very, very well done without being heavy handed. Mm. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to spoilers? Um, not, no, no, no. Let's, uh, let's go to spoiler town. It's time. All right. So everyone dies, although not everyone, just the J brothers, <laughs> which... If you've seen the series, we all saw it coming. Yeah, so the big spoilery thing that we have been dancing around is we actually see, for those of you who have seen the series, we actually live through the moment when Brian J. and his crew die in that horrific crash landing that is referenced early in the series, and we, we continue to see references back to it. And even though you know it's coming... Even though you know, like, all these death flags, they're, like, putting death flags everywhere, and you still know it's coming. You don't even need the death flags to know. When it happens, it's still just god-awful. It was still really emotionally wrenching. Because now you've actually met Brian J, and you've, like, seen his home life, and you've seen how close he and Hibito are, how much he sees the future in Hibito, how much he believes in Hibito, how central he is to really pushing hibito to become the astronaut that he is pushing the space program to what it is pushing the space program yeah his his influence is tremendous and you know you see all of that and again brilliant brilliant work by the creative team how effectively they deliver this how quickly they do it all of this hits you when the crash landing happens and it was awful there were a lot of onions in the room <laughs> yeah that was a thing like i don't think i cried that much uh upon the actual impact but the impact the impact had on all the characters in the room had me had me crying like buddy yeah i did not cry <laughs> nice i did not cry like openly until hibito that was the most oh yeah when hibito really gets time to be alone and process the news we see something with Hibito that we have never seen at any point in Space Brothers history 
not even when he's struggling with PTSD from nearly dying on the freaking moon, we don't see this kind of just complete breakdown happen. Hibito, and it's beautifully animated. It's like they really took time to show him just giving into his grief and letting that grief just wash over him. And when he starts breaking down crying, you are dead inside if you are not also at least tearing up. Because it, it was it was absolutely wrecking and gutting to see Hibito go through that. And it makes everything that you see in the show, as it relates to Hibito and Brian, make so much more of an emotional impact. Oh yeah, if I go back and rewatch the series after rewatching the movie, now all that weight from this prequel is going to be there, and I am going to start bawling every time I see that impact video. Yeah. <laughs> but I did want to talk about the Hippoto breakdown sequence because it is amazingly done. What you get is Azuma, who is another JAXA astronaut, hands Hippoto the map to the grave plots in Houston for the three dead astronauts, because Hibito has still not paid his uh, respect for the dead hamster. I mean, the three dead astronauts. And uh, like you said, it, it just hits him. And how it hits him is like, you know, this very stereotypical, oh, happy memory picture slide sort of thing. But all the picture slides burn up. And then it's just Hibito in a room where light is making everything else dark. There's one window in this hotel room, no lights are on, and he is just... The, the tone is there and you are just seeping in it and like you said the animation of Hibito changes he's he's they bring out the ugly they physically make his char- his characteristics ugly and his wail is is pure ululation and it is an amazing sequence if you just love sad and human because this this is grieving at its at its core so very ink core is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I had to pick a moment in the movie, that's definitely that. Oh, man. Yeah. Like that is that is the emotional kind of fulcrum around which the whole movie turns. And so even though we spend more time with Muta, emotionally, this 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 movie belongs to Hibito. Like the really just intense emotion that you see hibito manifesting as he's completing his backup training as he processes the loss of his mentor the emotional arc of this absolutely belongs to hibito despite the fact that muta is really starting to come into himself but still not quite put the pieces together yet because it's not episode one of space brothers it's episode zero of space brothers so muta muta goes on to well, I want to pause for a second and talk about Muta's reaction to everything that happened with Hibito because he didn't get it yet. Like, like he's not yet an astronaut. So he, I mean, he's sad for Hibito in a way that, you know, you'd be sad. But at the same time, he understands what this loss means to Hibito, even though Muta doesn't emotionally feel it really at all. And mm-hmm. so there's this again, really well set up moment in the movie when they meet up again, when Hibito's back in Japan, they meet up again and Muta strikes this like Sentai pose. Pose of courage. The pose of courage. 
as a way to, to say, hey, I support you and I'm here for you. And even though the brothers are these sort of rivals and they definitely make that point, their relationship as brothers has always come first. And it's Muta that's sort of able to pull Hibito out of that sort of emotional ditch that he finds himself in, you know, like, like he does later in the series. And so just, again, super well done. Super well done. That's how Space Brothers operates, is you have a very good balance struck between the two brothers. And I'm kind of worried in future episodes, hopefully, or future uh, chapters of the manga, what happens when they're both on a downslope. But uh, as far as the way the series nominally operates, as far as how this movie operates, there's a yin and a yang, and Muta is definitely the comic relief, because like you noted, Jared, Hibito carries the emotional arc here, even though it's about Muda kind of finding himself. But it's also, well, it's both brothers finding themselves, but one is under a lot more uh, emotional strain. Yeah, absolutely. After the astronauts' deaths, there is one shot of a building which, if you continue watching the Space Brothers series, you will become very familiar with. It's the JAXA building. And uh, it's this, you know, very squarish building, but it's got a huge rocket uh, laying on its side out in front of it. And uh, every single shot you see of this building throughout the movie and throughout the series, save one, is unobstructed. It's just, you know, usually sunlight or whatever. uh, And it's this gorgeous shot of a a very influential building. Uh, But after the astronaut's death, the uh, NASA and JAXA and all the space agencies sort of halt ISS missions. They halt all space missions because of the tragedy and they, they're reassessing going forward. And it's the only time in the entire series, in the entire movie, you see JAXA from a different camera angle. And what they do is they pull the camera back and it's like underneath an awning. And it's the awning is placed such that it looks like there's a roof over the top of a space agency. And that's such a powerful image. Mm. Is that the one where it shows like when, when everything's kind of closed down and they show that that Jax is closed and they have the yeah. little sign. I thought that was so awesome. And, yeah. you know, really it speaks to the world of Space Brothers, just how, God, what a beautiful reality that would be to live in, where the world really is really fixated on their, on the space program and space exploration. And, you know, the community, the family of astronauts that sort of goes across national borders, you know, it, it, the fellowship of astronauts that's just transcends cultural boundaries and it just it was a beautiful beautiful shot and a and a really powerful image because you never you never see jaxa closed like what how could that work you know like it's it's always sort of that especially early in space brothers it's like mecca you know it's 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 like the gateway to everybody's dreams the metaphors don't stop there i mean that's a purely visual metaphor there's uh the series works really wonderfully a metaphor there's um hibito dropping his compass in the desert which is kind of obvious but how that whole scene plays through really gives you a direction not only on what brian jay meant to him but also the struggles hibito is going through and kind of foreshadows in a way that scene ends with hibito loses a camp compass in a crack and brian jay you know gets it back with a stick and gum but he gives some really clear advice to Hibito saying, you know, whenever anything blows up, you got to take yourself back a second, get your calm, and then you can go forward and do whatever needs to be done. And knowing that advice 
and then seeing him crash and what you find out later in the series is that his last moments were spent saying let's record all what's happening right now as we have 20 seconds left to live so that everyone knows what was going on and can learn from it so that nobody else dies and you get the insight into how he keeps his calm and that that was just kind of mind-numbing for me amazingly too and yeah. and that advice when when brian is delivering that advice to hibito all i could think about was hibito's time on the moon where he's rescuing damien and he's dragging him out of the out of the ditch in the moon and, and then like you know doing his best to stay alive like because hibito uses every bit of that training and that that lesson that brian teaches him and um, to set stuff like that up even though it's it's a prequel so it's coming after everything oh, it was just so well done and we actually get to see the moment that this was another pretty emotional moment for me we get to see the moment when brian places his astronaut doll on the moon mm. and i was like oh, <laughs> when that happened it was um there may have been some onions in the room at the time um it was it was pretty intense because that is a touchstone we come back to several times uh in the middle and, and the end of space brothers so to see that actually happen was just really cool. That was a nice treat for longtime fans. Definitely. Was there anything you didn't like in this uh, in this movie? God, I really wish there was. <laughs> there was no Serica. Um I mean, that's an automatic detraction. Right. Not nothing anybody who is watching this for the first time would know. So we actually get Oppo's origin story, even though Oppo isn't born yet. But we know how we we can kind of infer how Hibito gets Oppo. Oh, you're told, actually, through the ending credits. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was so blown away by the time I was at the ending credits. I was, like, some of that was just washing over me by that point. But you're right. You know, we don't have any Sharon, thank God. <laughs> and I mean that in, like, a, in like a I can't handle, my heart can't handle anything else <laughs> kind, <laughs> kind, of, kind of way, you know. But the story that's told is really well done, very effective. We have the right amount of characters. You don't get everybody, but you get the right people. The only downsides to this I can point out are like the sort of gratuitous fan service, like the needless character inserts that were put in via the five extra five minutes, like I mentioned earlier. Aside from that, I really can't nitpick much except for one attempt at a first person view shot through brian j's helmet i think it's actually as he's bouncing it along his way to put the uh the doll on the on the moon stump and they try to do this effect where like in the old theaters where you'd have the wooden slats coming up out of the floors to sort of simulate waves in different rows and that animation just comes across as clunky which almost no animation in the entirety of space brothers comes across as clunky that was the only nitpick i had is the bonus footage just on the Sentai release? Because I, I watched it on High Dive, and I don't think I got the five minutes of bonus footage. Oh, it might be. It might be. Yeah, yeah, because I don't remember that. I, I feel like I would remember that. So I think that's, I mean, that really kind of says it all for me. It's just, God, I, it just makes you want more friggin' Sprace Brothers. Now we technically have 100 episodes, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, like, damn it. Like, let's get more Space Brothers. We got more Chihaya Furu somehow by a miracle of God. Space Brothers was actually, like, primetime television for a while. Like, let's get that back. That would be awesome. 
in an age of COVID-19 and hell world, we need Space Brothers. <laughs> Seconded. I mean, it is for all for all the emotional trauma it inflicts on the viewer. There's a lot of warmth and a ton of humanity to it. Uh, not the least of which comes from uh, Muta's and uh, Hibito's parents. And despite everything you see, all the struggles and all the adversity that the characters go through, one of the things that is sort of unrelenting about Space Brothers is optimism. Hmm. There is hope and optimism even in the darkest times. And don't we all need that message right now? Seriously. So something else I wanted to ask, because uh, someone I watched this with uh, didn't quite pick up on it and maybe i'm just reading a little too much into the scene with this but there's uh at towards the end of the movie brian jay has left not one but two wills and as eddie jay gets the family will but the astronaut's will is hidden and uh no one knows where to find it so eddie calls up hibito because he was kind of the understudy uh and a close friend and yes you know do you know where it is and Hibito's like, I don't know, he probably wouldn't have trusted me with that. So through the use of flowers, a wrap of flowers that Hibito has just put on Brian Jay's grave, rolls over and obscures a couple of letters, and Hibito flashes back to this Apollo book where the letters were blacked out as a prank by someone, I can't remember who. By uh, Brian Jay's daughter. By Brian Jay's daughter. And that scent kind of clicks with him like oh obscured letters oh right he mentioned that book that had the important thing in it do you see that as a viable connection or was or am i just reading too much into that no i i that is exactly what i that's how i connected the dots too i went oh yeah okay Uh, well and, and one of the things i would like to go back to to do I would have to go like digging in Space Brothers episodes to find it. But Hibito relays the story to Muta of laying flowers on Brian's grave. And Muta's like, well, why didn't you put Cosmos on his grave? Obviously. And then uh, Hibito goes, yeah, Ozma said that too. And now that's what I do. (laughs) But I think it was like azaleas or something like that that he that he first laid so like i want to go back and see if that matches up and then i want to see if there's any sort of like literary significance to that flower that that Mm. flower choice there's obviously a language of flowers like for sure but um but i'd love to know if that was like all intentionally planned and knowing koyama it probably totally is and so yeah but no that's i that is the same exact leap i made too and by the way, where the hell is Brian Jay's daughter at? Yeah, nowhere present in the series. Yeah, <laughs> except like, that one dinner. One dinner. Yeah, like you would think she would be around somehow. I don't know. I immediately shipped her and Hibito. I don't. I, I couldn't help it. Uh, and I think that ships a lot better than than Hibito's other ship. So wait, as soon as Hibito goes into Brian Jay's house, she's there along with her mother. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking just at the funeral, or? Uh, but like, I'm talking about in the series. I'm like, like, where the oh, hell yeah. is she in the series? Like, you would think she would still be like around, you know, um, especially when Eddie starts showing up, you know. Mm. There's a couple cuts to her, but yeah, she does not appear yeah. at all. Maybe, maybe that happens later. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Koyama's playing an extra long game there, since we're on volume like 700 and something of the manga. I think by now. Oof. That is probably an exaggeration, but it is. I think it is in like the four or fives. By the way, you can read the most current chapters of Space Brothers on Crunchyroll, but unfortunately you cannot pick up where the anime left off because it is uh, no longer available. Yeah, and it sure would be nice if somebody would license that. 
even if you just do it for like EPUB, for God's sakes, like you did with Chihayafuru, like Chihayafuru, you can do, you can get that on like uh, EPUB and it's like this brilliant world where that's possible. I have some of those volumes and they are everything, but God, please somebody, I know it's more complicated than quote somebody, so don't at me people, but like, God, I wish that was, I wish that was licensed so bad. Um, and I know, I know why it's probably not and yeah, but still. Damn it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Closing thoughts? God, I, I miss this series so much. I miss these characters so much. And even even though we just, we literally just in the last few weeks, barely a month ago probably, got done with Otaku in Space. God, I just really miss those characters. And it was so good to see them one more time. And I sure would like to see them again. And so... Um, I don't know, man. I might start reading the manga, even though there's going to be a gap. I'm just going to have to figure it out or like read a recap or something and just get in there because I can't really, I can't really do my life without more Space Brothers in it and be a fully, a fully actualized version of me. (laughs) So Space Brothers, it's, it's one of the best. It's one of my absolute favorites, you know, like right up there with Chihayafuru and Moribito and Lotus War and like all those, you know, I, you, y'all, if you've been listening to this show long enough, you've heard me on, every now and then, you know, obviously show up, get Roku, Rakugo, Shinju, like earmark specific series that are like my favorite series. Space Brothers is absolutely in that company for me. So just just getting that one more little taste was bittersweet. How about you, man? I still question whether it's a really good starting place, but it is definitely a more than welcome addition to the availability of the anime. I would not part with this in a million years. It, even though it's an and-on, it's so thoroughly tied in with all that we love about these characters in this world that it is truly indispensable. Yeah. Where you place it in your viewing order... Hey, place it in both places. Just keep watching Space Brothers on repeat. That's right. That's right. That's kind of what this lends to do. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, I definitely felt the same way. I'm kind of like, well, now because we get all the way up to the headbutt, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, well, damn. Now I want to go like see post headbutt, you know? Mm-hmm. And oh god, it was it was so great. I'm, I'm so glad they did it. I'm so glad we got to review it. And thank you for. Sentai for for bringing that out here. Uh, you guys are the real MVP. Yes, thank you, Sentai. Uh, we only had one question. Uh, it was from Billy Denton, and he had asks, "How does the series relate to the movie?" And uh, I think we've covered that by now. So. I, I think we probably covered it to death. <laughs> yeah. Still an origin story. Where can we find you on the internet, Jared? Um, I am actually back on social media. You can find me. The easiest place to find me is on Twitter at Save versus Jared. I also frequently post photos to Twitter from Instagram. If you wanted to like reverse engineer my Instagram and follow me there, you can. Don't follow me on Facebook. I don't want to follow Facebook anymore, but I have to. So Save versus Jared on Twitter, best place. And here, every monthish, I am here and happy to be here. You can follow me on TweetyBox at Animated Inc. and uh, go over to TaikuPodcast.com where I'm their official bad sports anime correspondent where I pop in occasionally and review horrible sports anime or sports anime that we think are going to be horrible but are not. You can also check out back issues of Otaku USA magazine and uh, online at Fandom Post. I have a few articles there. And that's, I think, about it. 
Go to anygamers.com for show notes and other blog posts where we more than welcome discussion. And you can also interact with Evan, Inc., David, Inaki, and me, uh, as well as everyone else via the Anygamers Discord. And if you feel the compulsion, support us on patreon.com slash anygamers for priority question privileges, as well as access to bonus articles and podcasts, including Otaku in Space, and the Anygamers Book Club, where uh, we cover light novels. David and Inaki do. Ink and I don't do. You can listen to our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Music, and Spotify. And we want to be sure to encourage you guys to please leave reviews to help more people find out about our shows. And um, hit us up when let us know what topics you would uh, like us to cover. Speaking of topics we'd like to cover. Uh, so obviously we wrapped up just recently our Otaku in Space uh, miniseries on Patreon. And after a lot of thought and really just trying to find a title that sounded goofy enough to work, um, we have decided, and we're going to announce here today, that our next uh, Patreon-exclusive miniseries is going to be Otaku on a Bender, where we cover the wonderful Avatar The Last Airbender the one in the movie theaters, right, by M. Night Shyamalan? Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, got him, got him backwards. We're going to cover the the live-action movie, and then we're going to cover the live-action Netflix thing that the two creators of Avatar just walked away from. That's that's what we're going to cover. Um, <laughs> now, so we're going we're gonna to cover Avatar The Last Airbender. Ink and I have been after a way to do that show forever now, and this just seemed like the best way to do it. Um, really excited. I, I think we're going to start recording that next month hopefully start getting that out to you guys really soon super super excited to talk about everything that happened and everything that changed with the fire nation attack it's going to be awesome and so for ink and for myself thank you all so much next episode we are going to do our anniversary episode it's our season four finale uh, we are going to cover... A... Four more years! Four more years! Four more years! <laughs> ooh, ooh. Four more years of us, not four more years of, of Trump. Um, Fuck no. But, yeah. But we are going to cover a, a, a series that has actually got name dropped here a couple of times. It's near and dear to Ink and my heart. And the two of us have never been on a show to discuss it together strangely somehow <laughs> and that show is Chihaya Furu so I am beyond stoked to bring all of my opinions uh, to bear uh, and make it suffer through that for hopefully not six hours what is a Chihaya what? <laughs> you can't even get away with that joke man. is it, is it a Ch- Chihaya pet? oh god Chihaya <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap, folks. We'll see you guys <laughs> next month if I can recover from this joke. So the first article we have is really linked to a video of a SpaceX boat catching uh, 
payload fairings uh, in a big net because they're trying to, one, be responsible, and two, reuse things for future launches. It's really cool. Um, it also has delightful lounge music. <laughs> That's a claim of the article. I don't know how true that is. I was not listening to it with sound. Why would you want to reuse these things? They only cost $6 million each. Yeah, it's like pocket change to Elon Musk, but I guess I guess we're we're going to actually try to be sustainable and reuse stuff and save costs. So I doubt he's doing it for sustainability reasons because Elon Musk, but hey. I mean, he does own Tesla. Tesla, yeah. <laughs> he's also like a Disney villain tycoon, so. But the video's cool. Video's cool. That's the point. Cool video. Go check out the video. <laughs> So if you have already uh, listened to our miniseries, uh, we, one, of the, one of our last stories was the launching of Hope from the United Arab Emirates. And this is kind of cool because it's their very first outer space mission. And what they're going to do is they're sending this probe to Mars to capture sort of this full-on atmospheric picture of Mars, not just of a place during a, a certain segment of time. It's the planet. They want to capture the atmosphere, uh, a picture of the atmosphere of the planet so we can get more reliable data for future missions and such. And that's worldwide, you know, data shared amongst all spacefaring nations. But, you know, it's a long road to Mars and the launch was successful, thankfully. And now what they have just completed is their very first course correction and you may be thinking, oh, they changed course. Well, what's so cool about that? Well, the thrusters have actually never been used yet. So the fact that the thrusters worked from a, an agency that sent its very first spacecraft up, you know, massive applause to those guys. Well done. And it's on the right trajectory now to sort of cruise toward Mars. And so just, yeah, really good going. That, yeah. That's fantastic news. The UAE is like rookie of the year in the space program kind of cosmos cosmology right now really exciting to see like the work they're doing and really cool to have just more nations doing cool space exploration stuff that's just um always cool to hear 